You're listening to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pody. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to episode 140 of This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, June 4th, 2021, and I am thankful um, that the weekend is upon us because with these NBA playoff games and the overlapping games and games coming on at 10, 10, 15, 10, 30, I think the Lakers-Suns game came on after 10.30 last night. I didn't even get to watch one minute of it. And I still um, went to sleep after after 11. And um, it was a long night. I, did, I woke up. I felt like I didn't sleep well. I woke up at 5.15 this morning. So I'm really tired. Last couple of nights going to bed at like midnight. It, it's starting to catch up to me. And I'm not a coffee drinker. So, um, you know, I just basically run on some iced tea um, here and there. And, and and that's about it. Natural energy. Um, because I don't personally uh drink coffee i don't like the taste of it i just don't think it's good for you um so with that being said guys um i'm gonna just jump right in i hope everybody enjoyed their memorial day weekend those nice few days off if you will i mean it was crappy weather it's storming like a banshee outside right now so i hope this doesn't last this is actually worse than it was last week if you can even imagine that um I am supposed to go play golf tomorrow, so I hope this clears up by then for my afternoon tea time. Uh, I want to jump right in, and I want to discuss something positive real quick before I forget, and that is the news um, from Greg Olson and his family. His I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I might have forgot to mention it, but his son, TJ, uh, he's eight years old. He's gone through a bunch of heart issues since he was born, multiple surgeries, a pacemaker was put in, and his heart has come to its end of life. So he needed a new heart. And he posted this on social media, Greg did, um, last week, I think, and then I just forgot to mention it on the podcast, had a lot going on. Well, he posted today with an update, and a heart donor has been found for his son, TJ, and he... uh is quoted as saying, TJ, uh, I think he put this on Instagram with a bunch of pictures, TJ has a long road ahead of him, but today is a huge step forward from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for the outpouring of support through the journey. So, of course, the kid has to go through surgery. Hopefully, um, he he's able to, to come out of that um, on the other side and, and recover and, and everything. Um, so so uh, we look forward to that. So get well soon, TJ. The other thing I have to mention, because I did not write it down and I'm going to forget, is last night Durham Bulls pitcher Tyler Zumbro or Zombro got hit in the side of the head with a line drive and he immediately fell forward onto the ground and started convulsing. It was a gruesome, um, violent 
just devastating scene there. I was I I went on Reddit when I heard about this. It was trending on Twitter. There were people on Reddit that that were at the game. There were people that said they watched it and and please don't watch it. They linked to the video from a news outlet down there in um in Durham, I guess, and they did show show the video of it. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but thank God, because you see pitchers get hit all the time, you know, in the head and whatnot. Not, um, and it's starting to become more and more prevalent. You've seen uh, guys in the major leagues and other, you know, minor leagues here and there start to adapt these sort of bulky-ish type hel- uh, like helmet hats or cushiony type hats. Um, they've started to make, obviously, the third base, first base coaches do it because the coach died. Um, that was hit in the head. And uh, so this was just a violent, scary, scary scene. Thankfully, um, we get word today that he is, uh, Tyler Zombro is in stable condition. Um, so that is a good sign. This happened in a game last night against the Norfolk Tides. The game was suspended in the eighth inning when this happened, um, and it was called with Norfolk leading 12-4. to four. Uh, Let's see... He's 26 years old. He's 1-1 one one with a 3.18 ERA, 53 strikeouts in 57 and two-thirds innings. Um, so, yeah, there's really no other word except for the fact that he is in stable condition. This is according to The Athletic. I'm trying to see, yeah, no, uh, nothing here in the comments of anybody with insider information. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Prayers up to to this kid, Tyler Zombro, because, my goodness, that was a scary, scary scene. All right, next up, we're just going to dive right in and uh, recap the weekend, get, get just caught up on some NBA action. By now, obviously, you know that Game 6 is taking place tonight between the Mavs and the Clippers. Because uh, this series is quite thrilling, and we'll pick it up. The Clippers tied the series. They, they Clippers go down 0-2, and I still said on last week's episode, go back and listen. I said it first and foremost. I loved the Clippers at plus 200 to still win the series down 2-0 because I knew going back home they were not going to lose. And what did they do? They rattle off two wins, okay? Um this team is too good to to realistically lose this series, number one, and number two, to get swept or lose in five games. So I knew that wasn't going to happen. Last year, they, they they blew the 3-1 lead. You, you knew that that they're not going to do that again. Um, so they responded. They win two games in a row. And the key in these last two games at home has been their willingness to make adjustments. The Clippers made adjustments. Luka got banged up. That was a big thing, finishing with uh, just 19 points in Sunday's game four loss with that cervical strain um, in game three, carrying over to game four. Uh, He was one of seven from three and missed all five of his free throw attempts. It was a 106 to 81 blowout. He made no excuses, said he was terrible and has to do better. Um, And excuse me, uh, both of these games were in Dallas, uh, not in in LA. Um, I misspoke a second ago. So this was big for, for the Clippers to go into Dallas and, and get it done and win two games and then come back home. And well, quite frankly, what was this two nights ago? Yeah. Two nights ago, I placed a first half money line bet live bet on the Clippers when they were down 10 and they took the lead 
and right at the last minute of uh, the first half, they they lost the first half lead and lost by two. Reggie Jackson threw up a stupid three-point shot, and it did not go in. And so the uh, the Mavs took the halftime lead, and I lost 100 bucks, albeit it was a free bet. Sorry, I'm a little parched, but back to it. So, yeah, I went to bed at half because, again, another game coming on at, like, 10 o'clock, and I wake up at, like, 5.15, 5.30 every morning for work. So I go to bed, and I wake up to see that the Clippers lost 105 to 100, I believe, was the final score. And I'm like, wow, the Clippers lose again. And funny thing, too, there was an odds boost on DraftKings, and it was Luka to score a triple-double in the game. And I was like, man, if I if I throw some some dough on this with my free bets, um, it's a decent pick. Um, but Luka been hurt, didn't play great in, the, in, in games three and four. And then what does he do? He comes out on absolute fire in game five and puts up like 40-something nine and nine I think it was and he just came shy of the triple double so I was a little happy about that but yeah uh the Mavs go as, as Luca goes and the fact that he was able to go off that's why they were able to make the adjustment come back and win game five after two straight losses so now the Clippers they got their backs up against the wall we'll see what they um you know what they can muster tonight um that game is at nine o'clock and that's it this is the season on the line. If the Clippers don't win this game, they're uh, going to have to blow up this this franchise, I think. Blow up the roster. I think they're going to have to split up these guys and just start fresh and start over. Which I think a lot of teams are going to realize that they're going to have to do when they start to lose. Um, as for who I'm taking, I absolutely am taking the Clippers um, I don't know why. There's really no reason to pick the Clippers here, but we've yet to see a seven-game series, and I want to see a seven-game series, so I'm going with the Clippers. And if the Clippers are smart, they will not play uh, Zubach tonight be, uh, a lot of minutes because somehow, some way, um, in all five... Well, first of all, all five games have been won by the road team, so this game is in, is in Dallas. Uh, so they're going to have to, you know... If you go by the numbers and the fact that every team, every game has been won by the road team, well, guess what? Clippers would win this game and then Mavs would win game seven, right? So let me see here. Um, I wanted to see the exact stat. I think the stat was when Zubach plays 17 minutes, at least 17 minutes, the Clippers have lost every game in this series. So let me just double check this if I could find it. Now I'm not gonna find it. It's I got I'd have to scroll through um like crazy. But I think that that was what it was. When he plays 17 minutes, they've lost every game in the series. Just absolutely berserk. Um so my pick for tonight is the Clippers. Let me see real quick what the spread is. I use my final hundred dollar bet on the Nets at minus four uh tomorrow in tomorrow's game. The Clippers are three-point favorites on the road, so that tells you everything you need to know. So, yeah, the, the Sharps are going with the Clippers as well in this game. 
Okay, we got to stick with the NBA and talk about the on-court shenanigans from the fans. It's been absolutely despicable. I shed light on it last week. Well, we're back because Kyrie Irving got a water bottle thrown at him in Boston as he was walking out from the Nets' 141-126 to 126 win at TD Garden on Sunday. The fan later being identified as a 21-year-old kid. That's what he is. Uh, barely legal, just able to drink, right, 21 years old, and just threw his life away because he was not only escorted out of the arena by the by Boston police, he's subject to a lifetime ban from TD Garden, and the police confirmed Monday that the fan now faces assault and battery with a dangerous weapon charge and will be arraigned. Uh, he was supposed to be arraigned on Tuesday. And according to police witnesses, the water bottle grazed Irving's head. I did not see that in the video. I just saw Tyler Johnson stop and then just turn around and start going like ham and yelling and stuff. And then Kyrie stopped when it buzzed past his head as well. Uh, just crazy stuff. Crap. Uh, okay, just got word that Jeff Green will miss game one tomorrow. That really doesn't change things for me. We do need him back in the series to eat up some minutes. Um, off the bench and his veteran presence, um, you know, he could play the five when they go small also. And he, he picks up, you know, those dirty minutes covering guys. But, uh, yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, Kyrie gets the, the bottle thrown at him, this now being the fourth incident involving inappropriate fan behavior during an NBA playoff game in the past week. Okay, on May 26th, things got kicked off when uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, had popcorn thrown on him. Trey Young, as well, uh, was spit at, and the family of Ja Morant, his parents and such, were heckled um, in a game. Uh, these being in Philadelphia, New York, and Salt Lake City, respectively. On Monday, in the Wizards' 122-114 to 114 win over the Sixers, a fan tried to run onto the court before being tackled by security right around the baseline. The fan was handcuffed and taken out. He has since been banned from the arena and charges are being filed with the D.C. Police Department. I just don't get the logic why anybody wants to do this. They're going to get their five minutes of fame and it's going to ruin the rest of their life because good luck getting a job when you have to tick, you know, check off the box that says, have you ever been arrested? And then you explain to them why you were arrested and that you have a lifetime ban and you're facing charges from being a, a, a moron at, at a sporting event. I mean, really? Um, this incident actually, th this is important. This incident in the Sixers game actually overshadowed the fact that Joel Embiid left the game with knee soreness and did not return. We found out on Wednesday, just two days ago, that it is a small meniscus tear in his right knee. Somewhere else I saw an MCL tear, but every, every everything I heard, um, prior to today was meniscus. So if it is MCL, that's, um, probably even worse. Uh, the Sixers... Their shot at a championship now, you know, is dwindling because Embiid is going to try to push through. And if we, you know, if you take uh, Anthony Davis, for example, he tried to push through and re-aggravated his groin injury last night, only lasting five minutes. So uh, it's not looking good. He could play and then aggravate it even worse. And then he really needs surgery and, and the recovery window um, for next season starts to, uh, you know, could be 
a Kevin Durant situation, comes back too early and not only tears the, the meniscus, but maybe tears an ACL and has to miss next season. So this has huge implications for, for Philadelphia, who obviously got the one seed in the East. So this is something to keep an eye on. He is listed as day-to-day. We don't know if he's going to play in game one against Atlanta on, I believe that game might be Sunday or maybe it is Saturday. Let me double check. Um, yeah, it is. Um, it's on Sunday. Hawks play the Sixers on Sunday because the Hawks eliminated the uh, Knicks, which I'll get into in, in just a second. Okay, real quick, Tuesday marked the first of uh, many for Lou Gehrig, um, okay, because, you know, we had Lou Gehrig Day in, in Major League Baseball. They did a great, great job with that. Um, so a little backstory on this. I started doing my research, and a lot of people don't know this. Lou Gehrig, on June 1st, 1925, made his Major League debut with the New York Yankees as a pinch hitter, substituting in for shortstop Paul Peewee Wanninger. It was the first of 2,130 consecutive game appearances for Gehrig. Uh, And for those counting at home, that is 14 consecutive seasons, 14 years before he wasn't in the lineup again in that time frame. He played through multiple bone fractures, being hit in the head by a pitch, as well as various other injuries. We're talking, what, 1925 to almost 1940, right? 1939-ish, 1939, 1940 season. Think about what medicine was back then. How, how did they even... Did they even cast a broken arm or a broken hand? Like, bones probably didn't heal properly. People probably walked with limps. All sorts of stuff. Medicine, they didn't have the painkillers back then that they have now. I mean, crazy. And these players would play through injuries. Um, Yankees management even went as far as postponing a game with a rainout on a dry day when he had the flu just to keep the streak alive. Um, and his record endured for 56 years until the legendary Cal Ripken Jr., of course, with the Baltimore Orioles, surpassed it on September 6, 1995, with 2,632 games that streak ended up lasting. Uh, Ripken's streak began in his sophomore season, his, which was his first full MLB season, and it stretched over 17 of his 21-year Hall of Fame career. It is, in my opinion, probably the greatest feat in all of sports. It is the unbreakable record ever. Nobody will break this record because if you look at baseball today, nobody plays a full week of games anymore. I mean, you have players that'll play. If you have three, four games in a row, uh, by the third one, the player needs a day to rest. It's incredible. And the injuries have never been worse. Um, Cal Ripken in his career earned Rookie of the Year honors, uh, two American League Most Valuable Player Awards, and 16 All-Star appearances in that span. He ended the streak 501 games after breaking Gehrig's record, sitting out a late September game against the Yankees at Camden Yards in 1998, where it all began. Um, A Maryland guy through and through. He wanted to end the streak right there. And I actually do remember that game. I remember him carting around the stadium and like they just 
took so much time to appreciate that record that day. Just incredible, incredible stuff. So uh, Lou Gehrig had an amazing career. And what's even crazier about Lou Gehrig's record and, and all those games that, that he played in a row is he was diagnosed shortly after his career with ALS, okay, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. So you have to wonder, in all those games he played, he must have been feeling the effects of the ALS and probably didn't know exactly what it was. So that's even more miraculous that, that uh, you know, he was the Iron Man. What can I say? Uh, just incredible. The, the pain threshold and tolerance that these players had back in the day, hell of a lot tougher than, than, than these wusses in, in today's game. They, they can't even run out a, a, a full speed of ground ball that they hit uh, to the shortstop. They have to jog it out because, God forbid, you know, Gary Sanchez pulls a, pulls a hammy while he's running to first. It's an absolute joke. Absolute joke. They baby these players. They pay them uh, more than they've ever been paid in their lives, and, and they're still getting injured. Absolute, absolute joke. All right, let's talk about the Lakers. They're out of the playoffs, bounced last night. Uh, I didn't get to watch a single minute of the game, but it was um, not a good one from, from what I could tell. Anthony Davis lasting just five minutes re-aggravating his injury, and the Lakers lost like 113 to 100. How did we get here? Last week, Lakers were up two games to one. They were, and then Anthony Davis got hurt, and the Lakers could not do anything. So at this point, it's like, what's LeBron got left? Is he, is he Batman? Is Anthony Davis Batman, and LeBron is Robin? You know, like, what what's going on? He can't win a first-round playoff series without Anthony Davis. And not only could he not win, they got shelled in the last couple of games of this series. Absolutely worked over. Lifeless in, in uh, game five that I saw. And, and then last night, they just they, they throw in the towel. 115-185 to 185 was the game on Tuesday that I watched um, in which the Suns took a 3-2 series lead. It was just pathetic. Um, it was over from the jump. And I think that the, I think the Lakers mailed it in, knowing they were going to lose that game, and then hoping they would get Davis back um, for 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 last night's game. And then when he uh, left with after five minutes, I think they just the sales went down. They went out. Um, you know, probably just they threw in the towel. They figured, well, this ain't our year. We won it last year. It's hard to win two in a row. And boom, that was it. So with that being said, I sent my dad an unbelievable uh, stat. The last time LeBron James was eliminated by a team in his own conference, meaning the last... So every year LeBron makes the playoffs, he gets to the finals, okay? So two years ago, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Then last year, they went to the finals and he won, okay? And before that, when he was with uh, Cleveland and then Miami, he went to the finals every single year, like eight or ten straight years or whatever. So with that being said, the last time he was eliminated by a team in his own conference, meaning the last time he didn't make the finals, Luka Doncic was 11 years old. Anthony Davis was a junior in high school. Tom Brady only had three rings. Shaquille O'Neal was still in the league. And in fact, not only was he still in the league, he started that game for the Cavaliers in which they did not make the finals and lost in the playoffs. How insane is that? And guess what? Nobody else to blame but LeBron James because he started the super team trend. 
He's the one that started it all. If you go back to the very beginning, he left Cleveland in a spectacle, announcing he was going to Miami to win 11 or 12 or whatever amount of championships, right? Infinite. So he started this, now he gets eliminated, and now he gets to sit back and watch as my Brooklyn Nets, the super team of all super teams, steamrolls through the playoffs and hopefully wins me a championship I've been waiting 29 years my entire life. That might not seem like a long time to most people, but 29 years is a long freaking time when you witness your team make it to two straight finals and lose. And lose. And all the Nets have ever been known for is losing and being the little bro to the king of New York, the legendary New York Knickerbockers. And I deal with the same stuff with my New York Jets being the little bros to the New York Giants, okay? The New York football Giants and the fact that they've won two Super Bowls in my lifetime. Um, well, more than that, but two, you know, since I've been in like high school. Uh, and obviously the Jets came oh so close twice. So all my teams besides the Yankees are just losers. So I need one of my other teams to step up and finally win. And hopefully that is this moment, the Brooklyn Nets, because we're in a drought of New York's uh, sports here. What's the last championship we've had, you know? Uh, the Yankees in 09, I think. I mean, it's crazy. Of course, you got the Islanders. They're still alive in the playoffs. They, of unfortunately lost in overtime two to one to the Bruins last night. Um, back to back games that went to overtime. They won game two and lost game three. That's a big time series. So, um, but with that being said, yes, the Lakers, um, were bounced 100 to 92. No, no, I said it 113 to 100 the 100 uh to 92 was the other day um Devin Booker went off for like 47 in this game just incredible performance so they're moving on and next up let's talk about the Nuggets really quickly uh Nuggets and Blazers Woo! that game was fire what was that game that was I believe game five yes that was game five where uh, so this was to break the 2-2 tie. Yes, one of the greatest performances you will ever see in your lifetime. I hope you guys were watching. Um, Nuggets didn't want to lose on their home court. They started the game. Uh, I think this was the game where the Nuggets just started up 13 in the first quarter, just absolutely dominating. The Blazers had all the momentum. They closed uh, the, uh, a huge 13-point gap, cutting, cutting uh, it to like three. And then they go into the second half with all the momentum, close the third, up two. And then the Nuggets go on a late run. And then Damian Lillard, it was Dame time, all right, activated. It was like nothing I've ever seen in my entire life. And nobody's ever seen it because it was um, mar it, it was a marvel to watch. It was video game. It was, it was cr in more incredible than a video game I mean that's how insane this was um Damian Lillard himself closed the game scoring 20 of the final 22 for the Blazers including a three with three seconds left to send the game to OT you know me the Pody always fouls when you're up three with this little time left and then you just ensure the victory do not do not do not extend this game and let him have a chance at making the three of course 
you don't want to foul him and one on the three and give him a four-point play, which end of the first OT, it looked like Dame did get fouled on that turnaround three, which I still just am in awe that it even went in. Like, how do you turn around like that and get that much, you know, muster that much on the ball that you can get it into the basket? I would have freaking airballed it probably. Just insane. Um, so Portland fell behind 134 to 126 with about two less than two minutes to go in the first overtime. That's when I thought it was just absolutely over. But of course, Damian Lillard knocked down three consecutive threes, including the 27 foot step back with 6.6 seconds left to send the game to that second overtime. It was tied at 135 apiece. Uh, but in the end, uh, players not named Damian Lillard were just unable to step up. He really shouldn't have passed the ball at all, but he had uh, one play where he did toss it up. I think they were down three, the, the uh, Blazers, at that point. He passes to C.J. McCollum. The ball gets tipped in the air. It's like a cross-court pass on, like, uh, you know, um, a, a run out in transition. And McCollum recovers, grabs the ball, and he tries to – uh, catch and then drive and blow past the defender instead of just catching, giving him a pump fake or just catching and shooting. And as he goes to drive, he um, steps out of bounds. That simple. He, he lost focus for a second, and his foot stepped back as he went to drive, and he stepped right out of bounds, turned the ball over. They, they couldn't stop the Nuggets after that, and... They lose by seven, and the Nuggets take the 147-140 uh, double overtime win. Uh, one of the greatest shooting performances you'll ever witness squandered by, uh, you know, by the Blazers. Damian Lillard setting career highs with, with 55 in a playoff game on 17 of 24 shooting. He also broke the all-time record for most threes in a game, breaking Klay Thompson's record from what, five years ago in 2016, which, funny thing, was on this date in sports last week's episode. Um, so that was incredible. He shoots 12, count it, 12 of 16 from three, uh, 12 of 17 from three, uh, just in, I, I mean, that number in itself, I can't do that in a video game, right? Like, that's just incredible, uh, incredible. Uh and then, of course, uh, let's take it back to last night's game, game six. You, you had to, you know, know going into this game that it was going to be tough for the Blazers to overcome all that they did in game in the previous game, losing with Damian Lillard going off like he did to then come back and have to win this game, and they just weren't able to muster enough late down the stretch and the Nuggets prevail, so they move on, and they will play the Suns in round two. And that's a tough matchup. Um, I'm intrigued by this series. I'm going to take the Suns simply based on the fact that they're the healthier team. No Jamal Murray for the Nuggets. I know this is a team that plays tough. Uh, they've got the perennial MVP in Jokic, but I'm just taking the experience of Chris Paul. Provided he stays healthy, I'm going to take the Suns in the series. I think the series does, though, go six or seven games, if I had to guess. It won't be a blowout. All right, the Nets made quick work of the Celtics. They finished them off in Game 5 on Tuesday with their 123-109 victory. This setting up the much-anticipated matchup between the Nets and three seeded Bucks. Um, 
Much is being made of this because the Bucks took three out of, uh, excuse me, two out of three from the Nets in the regular season. But let's not forget the fact that the Nets did not have their big three for any of those three games. Um, plus, nobody really wants to to talk about this. It's the giant, you know, elephant in the room. Dante DiVincenzo is out for the remainder of the playoffs. He suffered a foot injury that required surgery in the opening round series sweep of the uh, Miami Heat. And that's significant. That's not just, oh, you know, some role player. That's their starting two guard, who is probably their primary uh, perimeter defender. Um, he has crazy ups. He could shoot. He's like a 3 and D type guy, but he could do more than that. I mean, that's a big loss. Don't get me wrong. The Bucs can, can, can make this a series, but that that is not something to be taken lightly. And like I said, Jeff Green will miss game one, but he's expected to come back at some point, I think, in this series at least. Um, his playoffs are not over should the Nets continue on in the rounds. He should be back, but I think he'll be back earlier rather than later, just being very cautious. Um, I know they've got veterans like P.J. Tucker and they've got Drew Holiday and things like that, but... I'm sorry. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks will not win this series. I'm taking the Nets minus four in game one. I think that's a really good number. And I honestly, I joked with my buddy last night, uh, Nick, who's been on the show, big Denver fan. He's pumped up that they won last night. I was busting his, you know, balls, hoping that they would lose. But um, I think that... Um, the Nets, I joked with them that the Nets are going to sweep the Bucks. I'm super confident in the Nets. I don't think realistically, I don't think they'll sweep, but I honestly would be shocked if this goes to a seventh game. I think they make pretty quick work of the Bucks in either five or six games um, because, excuse me, the Nets want to come out and make a statement. Yeah, everybody's talking about how the Bucks can give them trouble with their length and Giannis and Lopez and yada, yada, yada. They beat them two out of three. The Nets want to come out in Brooklyn and make a giant statement, and I think they come out and they cover that four-point spread very easily, and they're minus 200 to win the series. I think that's an absolute lock. I'd have no problem laying two to laying the 200 to win 100. I mean, that's that's how confident I am. Um, And, and so I think this could be going to be a good series. It starts up tomorrow. So... um. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I want to see my Brooklyn Nets slaughter the Milwaukee Bucks because let's not forget, the Bucks have not proven to be a team that can win in the playoffs. They haven't gotten over that hump. Of course, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago to Toronto, who went on to win it all. Then last year got bounced early by the uh, Miami Heat in the second round. So, so don't get it twisted. The Bucks are a good team, but they haven't proven that they can win yet. And um, the Nets, with this big three on the court, they're just getting started. Like, they're just starting to warm up to each other. So I'm excited. I'm here for it. And um, I cannot wait to see what happens next in this series. And I'm ready for it. So let's get it. Uh, we're going to start the next segment. And where are we at? Uh, just speaking about the Nets. Okay, yes. So on on Tuesday, the Nets beat the Celtics and advanced to the next round to face the Bucks. Well, on Wednesday, we got a bit of sh not strange news, 
a little bit of shocking news. Uh, let me break this down for you. We found out that the Celtics were making some moves. And you see this oftentimes when a team gets kicked out of the first round of the playoffs. They realize, okay, we've got to make changes. Uh, the Celtics, though, are one of those franchises up and coming once again. They're a staple in the league, won a million championships. Um, most recently, that 2008 championship with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, etc. Well, the move is Danny Ainge, their uh, GM, president, if you will. He is stepping down, effectively retiring and taking his place already. They must have had this in the works, I don't know, but replacing Danny Ainge as president of basketball operations is none other than, I, I wish I had the, uh, actually, I might have the suspense music here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's try this. Does this, does this apply? That's like, that's not the suspense music, but you get the idea. Um, replacing Danny Ainge is Boston Celtics head coach Brad Stevens. That, to me, is, is quite shocking. Uh, I, I was totally, totally thrown off by this, very surprised. And, um, I, you know, Brad Stevens is one of the great young coaches in this league. We know what he did at Butler, and then he got this head coaching job, and, and he just took off with this team. And they were they were poised to do big things in the upcoming years. But Brad Stevens making the transition. Um, here is Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens at their press conference talking about said move and, and why Ainge is is effectively retiring and why Brad is the guy. Wish we would have you know, finished the year on a, on a much better note. Um, uh, let me do that again. Hold on. I don't know why this didn't connect back to my Bluetooth. I apologize for that. So let me reconnect this. You know, we're doing this live, people. So, uh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Let's try that again. Wish we would have, you know, finished the year on a, on a much better note. Um, but I feel like there's so much hope in, in the Celtics going forward. And I'm excited for Brad. I think that Brad, he was born for this. With Brad's leadership and his organization and his work ethic and intelligence, I think it's going to be a great, this is a great day for the Celtics. I appreciate the, the super kind words. Um from with Pags and Danny, I understand and I'm looking forward to um, this new great challenge and responsibility. And, you know, we're driven to compete for championships. And as Danny said, like yesterday, um, it was a hard day. This morning is a hard day. Um, and I know that there's a lot of work ahead. So what's interesting about this move is if you're Brad Stevens, like as a coach, um, you sometimes see the writing on the wall, not to say that his job was in danger of, well, of him losing said job. You know, they were without Jalen Brown, who got hurt, a uh, monster superstar for that team. Would have made a huge difference. Wouldn't have helped them beat the Nets, but uh, still will help in, in, in the long run. What's so interesting about this is this is definitely a jump, a, a step up for Brad Stevens. Like, you're going from head coach to president. This is definitely... Uh, a pay increase, you're going to get a boost in salary, okay? And this is one of those positions where, unlike a head coach, you could stay in this, he could stay potentially be president if all goes well. 
for like 15 years he could stay there or maybe even longer. Um, so, hey, maybe he's at the point in his life right now where he, he wants stability and he wants to stay and he likes that city and he figures, well, this is what's best for me and my family. I'm going to transition out of coaching and jump into the front office. And uh, so a little bit of a shocking move, but kind of a boss move as well there for Brad Stevens. Um, another interesting point about this is, according to Kendrick Perkins, who obviously was drafted by Danny Ainge and won a title with the Celtics, he says he saw this coming. He said he speaks to Ainge a lot, and he's very family-oriented and a uh, driven person that wants to be around his kids and his grandkids. Um, the other thing that I must notate in, in this whole retirement, um, if you will, is the fact that this is super, super ironic, and it's the whole, you know, coming full circle thing in that Danny Ainge, not too long ago, absolutely pulled off the trade of the century, maybe one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history when he absolutely robbed my nets um, by sending Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, some other stuff in there as well, right? And the Nets gave up Gerald Wallace, Chris Humphreys, Marshawn Brooks, Chris Joseph, Keith Bogans, uh, first-round picks in 2014, 2016, 2018, and the rights to swap 2017 first-rounders. We all know the story. Paul Pierce and KG didn't last more than two years with the Nets. They helped the Nets, like, to one playoff uh win one playoff series win in the first round against Toronto. And that was in seven games in, in game seven. And I remember Paul Pierce, like swatting Kyle Lowry or something and, and getting all excited, even though he fouled him and there was a no call and the nets won the series. And Paul Pierce was like, that's why they brought me here. And then he was gone in a heartbeat and went to the wizards. And then he, he, he decided to talk, talk crap on the nets franchise. And I've hated Paul Pierce ever since, but, so back to this this trade. Uh, th what's incredible about this trade for Danny Ainge is that they, the Celtics, turned these picks into Jason Tatum, who is an absolute superstar. He single-handedly won them game two of this series, dropping 50 on the Nets, and Jalen Brown, who I spoke about earlier, who was injured and didn't play in the series. They also used, this is the crazy ironic part, they also used that 2018 first-round pick to trade for Kyrie Irving a couple of seasons ago when he was with the Cavs. I bring this up because in the end, it is Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets that rose from the ashes to end Danny Ainge's career. And I must say, as lopsided as this trade was, the the Nets were in the dumpster. They were one of the top five worst teams in the NBA for years, year after year after year of not having a first-round pick really hurt them to now rise up in such a quick fashion. We know what we went through last year um, with the bubble and everything and the fact that the season was basically shortened and we only had Kyrie Irving for a portion and we knew when we signed Durant he was going to miss the whole year, but it has culminated in this nucleus of three players and give Sean Marks a lot of credit for trading for James Harden when they had a young 
cast of guys in Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen. Um, and to bring in Harden and see what this team is doing, they're going to they're gonna win a championship. If it's not this year, they will do it next year. But I think they do it this year as well. Um, and it's just a great, great story. But yeah, super ironic that the team Danny Ainge fleeces for the trade of the century comes back to bite him in his behind and force him into uh, possibly early retirement there. So uh, yeah, in- insane. And speaking of Danny Ainge, there is a YouTube video I saw. I just went down a rabbit hole of Danny Ainge stuff. And one of the greatest uh, athletes in in United States history, some of the stuff he did was unreal. Uh, grew up in, in uh, Oregon, and he was a three-sport athlete, played football, baseball, and basketball. And he was so gifted that he was an All-American in all three sports, meaning he was one of the top players in the nation in high school in all three of those sports. He actually, uh, when he was like 20 years old, he was with the Toronto Blue Jays in major in the major leagues. And there was a, um, they had to, you know, the Celtics literally had to buy him out of his contract um, from the Blue Jays so he could go play, you know, for them. Uh, in college at BYU, he put up monster numbers, holding records, uh, most consecutive uh, games scored in double figures, like 112 or some ridiculous number, just some crazy stuff that you wouldn't realize. Because a lot of people this generation and kids growing up today, they only know of it. Danny Ainge as the Boston Celtics GM president, the guy throwing towels, at, you know, in at you know in the air trying to uh, break the concentration of free throw shooters in, in, in playoff games and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he was an amazing player in the NBA, winning a couple titles. And then he was actually a coach, I believe, with the Phoenix Suns before he resigned from there to then get into the front office with the team that he played for in the Celtics. So just crazy stuff. I thought I'd throw that out there. Okay, next up, we're going to we're gonna keep with the, uh, with the same... Sort of, sorry, I thought I heard something. We're going to keep along the same lines here and uh, talk about another legend who is uh, throwing in the towel as well, and that is Coach K, um, Duke's head basketball coach, Mike Krzyzewski. He is set to retire. This announcement came, I believe, on Wednesday. And, um, yeah, he's, you know, he's saying that it had nothing to do with COVID and that he is 74 years old now, so he said he's going to hang it up in one year. So he's going to coach one more year because obviously this past season with COVID was their worst season ever. Um, Pretty much just abysmal. They didn't make the tournament for the first time in a gazillion years. But, I mean, this is an absolute legend. He will go out as the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Um, You know, he has won... Uh, 12, 12 Final Four appearances, five titles, five national championships to his name. Uh, interestingly enough, they, they're they naming John Shire his assistant and former captain and player on his 2010 national championship team. He will replace uh, Coach K. Uh, so he will be the 20th men's basketball coach at the University of Duke, and he's just 33 years old. But here is Coach K explaining why now and why he's he he's deciding to to uh, hang it up. Take a listen. And so, for me, the opportunity to coach here at 
one of the great institutions in the world and be around not good people, but great people has made me, Mickey, my family so much better. You might, have, might ask, why are you doing this right now? Look, th this is not about uh, health. Mickey and I, whether we look like she does, whether I look healthy, I am. Um, it's not about COVID or saying why that year was so bad. I don't want, it's not about that. It's certainly not about what's going on with college basketball where, boy, the game's changing. All right. I've been in it for 46 years. You mean the game's never changed? You know, in the progression of the game, we have always had to adapt to the changes in culture, the changes in rules, the changes in the world. We're going through one right now. That's not the reason. Those aren't the reasons. Those would be bad reasons, especially the health one. You know, the reason we're doing this is because Mickey and I have decided the journey is going to be over in a year. And we're going to go after it as hard as we possibly can. And then we'll be a part of Duke's continuing journey, like President Price said, for as long as we're around. For as long as we're around. Yeah, so there you have it. And Mickey being his wife, I don't know if that was made clear, but uh, yeah, so you know they're deciding this thing is over in a year, and he had that talk with his wife because – Let's be real. Um, his wife gets the final say, and I'm sure she's pretty much, you know, had enough um, and wants to retire and do the whole family thing, much like Ainge with the grandkids and everybody and be around and watch. And he said he's still going to have some involvement there. And I'm sure John Shire um, will be calling him and asking him for help and tips and this and that. And he'll want to, um, you know, once a coach, always a coach, you know, that itch is always there. I'm sure, you know, certain days he's just going to show up and, you know, help out and things of that nature. So yeah, not, not again, this isn't very shocking news. Um, I'm surprised the announcement came now uh, and, and, and not, you know, he says they did it now because it would be unfair to recruitment and the recruit, uh, the recruited players that they're going to bring in. And they, he doesn't want there to be any, um, you know, negative press surrounding that or, or the, Oh, you lied to me that you, I thought my son, you know, you were going to be here for four years of my son and whatever. But so anyway, let me just throw out some of these numbers here and as to why coach K is the greatest of all time. Okay. He said he's been in it for 46 years, right? Well, 1,170 career wins. That's the most in history. 97 NCAA tournament wins. That is the most in history. Okay. The upcoming season will be his 41st at Duke alone. He has com compiled a 1,097 and 302 record, 1,097 wins to 302 losses, 15 ACC tourney titles, uh, tournament titles. Okay. 15 of them and 12 ACC regular season championships, so more ACC titles than regular season championships, which is just insane. 
Okay, not to mention, people. a lot of times people forget this, and I almost forgot this too. He coached Team USA to Olympic gold numerous times, and it began in 1979. He, he started his coaching career with Team USA as an assistant. He was a member of 21 USA coaching staffs and teams with Coach K um, on the coaching staff, compi- compi- uh, excuse me, compiled a ridiculous 139 wins to seven losses for an outstanding, amazing 95.2 winning percentage. Oh, my God. There you go. Another one of his former players in Jay Billis. Um, in the 15 international competitions that he has been involved in as a USA head or assistant coach, those teams have captured 11 gold medals, two silver medals, and two bronze medals. He is the only men's coach to have won gold at the Olympics and the FIBA World Cup while also possessing an NCAA championship. I could go on and on about this with his stats and and his uh, accomplishments, but it's just ridiculous. Um, He did speak to the fact uh, of John Shire and and why he chose him as his replacement. Um, The audio was very choppy. It wasn't great audio, so I'm not going to play that. But the gist of it was he said all his assistants that he brings on to his staff, he always asks them, I'm only bringing you on my staff if you want to be a head coach. And all of his um, former players that are part of his coaching staff, they're all former captains. So I alluded to that earlier. John Shire was captain of that 2010 national championship team. And that's an interesting tidbit that he only brings um, them on if they want to be head coaches and captains. Because if you think about it, if they only want to just are are content being an assistant that what is that what does that help you know they there's no desire to be, to get better as a coach to do more and and, and so uh, that's what he tasked with with his uh, assistants and he said over the last few years this has kind of been in the works and he's kind of been giving Shire a a, a much more involved role if you will um, so yeah that was very interesting and and like I spoke of earlier Shire is 33 years old it's he's going to be a very very one of the youngest head coaches in division one but he served as an assistant under coach K since 2014 um, so not long after he was a player I think he played like maybe one or two years overseas he was named associate head coach um, in 2018 he played for Duke from 2006 to 2010 um, that's actually when I was in high school. He earned first-team All-ACC honors as a senior, and his 2,077 points ranked 10th in program history, and his 297 three-pointers ranked 4th. Of course, we all know J.J. Redick owns that mark. Um, here is, speaking of Jay Billis, here is Jay Billis on, because uh, Jay Billis, ESPN guy, he played for Coach K. He He has the inside track. He knows what's up. Here's what he said um, on the Scott Van Pelt show on SportsCenter on this uh, on on John Shire. I think for John Shire, you know, he's such a such an outstanding basketball man and such a, a promising coach. Like I think he's going to do a great job. I, I'm a believer. Uh, I think the world of John Shire. So I, I don't have any worry about him. 
the, the issue is going to be everybody else. And, and how, how is he going to process what everybody else is saying and thinking and all that stuff? Because, and I don't think this is hyperbole, Scotty. Like, I think this is going to be the hardest act to follow in the history of, of America. There's been no coach that has been more inextricably linked with the brand or, or his team in school than Coach K has been with Duke. Uh, so there are tremendous shoes to fill that John Shire uh, is stepping into. Uh, I, I don't have any doubt that he'll he'll handle it extraordinarily well and he'll do extraordinary. Uh, but I'm also not naive that it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. And people aren't you know, people outside the program aren't always going to be accepting of everything. There's going to be a lot of, of well, Coach K would have done it differently. What about this <laughs> and all that stuff? Uh, but 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 John will handle it. All he has to do is be John Shire. That's more than good enough. Yeah, so there you have it from one of the best uh, with the inside track and the inside scoop. Um, yeah, I think John Shire, he's a big-time recruiter. Um, he's been um, very prevalent and involved in guys like Jason Tatum. He was the number two recruiter for um, Zion. He helped bring Tyus Jones, just a, a number of guys that are currently in the NBA or were in the NBA. So, uh, yeah, a couple of interesting retirements announced this week. Okay, next up, Bob Baffert has been banned from Churchill Downs for the next two years as Medina Spirit's uh, positive steroid test was confirmed, right? So this boils down to uh, Baffert, and this is not his first, the first time that he's been caught cheating. So that's why the two-year ban comes, and that's why it's quite harsh. So he will be banned from the next two Kentucky Derbies. But basically, Baffert and any of his employed trainers cannot enter horses in races at Churchill Downs until the 2023 spring meet. So, like I said, the next two Kentucky Derbies, he's out. Um, Churchill Downs added, it could extend the suspension if Baffert has additional violations in any racing jurisdiction. So if, you know, elsewhere he, he's racing a horse that gets caught, um, he's, you know, subject to an even bigger suspension. Uh, his lawyer, W. Craig Robertson, said in a statement earlier on Wednesday that the second sample confirmed the presence of 25 picograms and a picogram is one trillionth of a gram of the steroid beta methazone in the horse's system, which is over the double, which is over double the legal limit in Kentucky. And he added there is other testing being conducted, including DNA testing. Uh, goes on to say, we expect this additional testing to confirm that the presence of beta methazone was from the topical ointment Odomax or Automax, and not an injection, so a topical cream. The statement continued, at the end of the day, we anticipate this case to be about the treatment of Medina Spirit skin rash with Automax. So um, apparently Medina Spirit stablemate Gamine also tested positive for beta-methasone in the fall after her third-place finish in the Kentucky Oaks so, I mean, they're claiming that this is a skin rash that they're trying to uh, treat. Okay, so why would it be a banned substance then if it's only for a skin? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, uh, take it how you will. Um, I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say that he's guilty, and he's guilty, and he's guilty, and he's been guilty, and he's been getting away with it. And um, 
I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with that. I guess it technically it is cheating, but I mean, we're, a, a, a picogram, like you heard the number, that's a trillionth of a gram. Like, does it, did it really affect the horse and make the horse win the race? I, I, I don't know enough about horsing to know, to know that, but yeah, it's very crazy. Um, what's even, what's even crazier is the confirmed second sample positive for Medina spirit moved the horse closer to becoming just the second winner to be disqualified for a positive drug test in the races. 147 years of existence. If Medina spirit is officially disqualified, a decision that will fall to the Kentucky horse racing commission, Baffert would lose his record seventh Kentucky Derby victory and second place finisher Mandalone would be declared the winner. Uh, interestingly enough, anybody that bet Medina Spirit, those bets were paid out as a winner. So they can't now take those bets away. So you're 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 in the clear. You've been paid out already. But wow, to be just the second DQ'd in 147 years, that is something else. All right, next up, the College World Series and Women's College World Series is underway. The men's side of things, we're, we're not quite at the World Series yet. Uh, 64-team field is set. We're at the regionals now. Then you've got super regionals. Um, so there's 64 teams that are split into 16 brackets. Each is a double elimination bracket with four teams seated, obviously, one to four. Then you uh, take... Then you go to the Super Regionals, which consists of the 16 regional winners, where they are then split into eight pairings. These pairings play in a best-of-three series. Then the final eight winners of the Super Regionals head to the College World Series in Omaha, where they are split into two double elimination brackets consisting of four teams. The Super Regionals, uh, the Regionals are going on right now, actually, and all throughout the weekend. You have the Super Regionals, June 11th through the 14th. The first day of the College World Series starts Saturday, June 19th. The finals, Monday, June 28th. And that's a best of three. Right now, um, you have games going on. The number one overall seed in college baseball right now is Arkansas. They were losing 3 nothing early to NJIT. Uh, local school here, uh, great story. They didn't have a home field to play in this year, and they made it all the way to the College World Series. That's the Lafayette region. They're now losing that game 10-5 to in the bottom of the seventh inning. They'll probably lose there. Arkansas is, is a favorite. Last time a number one overall seed won it all was 1999 Miami, I believe it was. Um, so they're looking to end that drought. You've got Florida State's up 5-2 on Southern Miss. Oregon 4-1 uh, over Central Connecticut. Texas Tech beat Army. South Florida beat number 14, Florida. Uh, South Carolina beat Virginia. Notre Dame beat Central Michigan. Just on and on and on. There's, Like I said, there's games going on all throughout. Um, yeah, so that's the baseball side of things. The softball side of things, the College World Series is underway. Officially, that started yesterday. Um, and it got off with a... It started with a bang as number one overall seeded Oklahoma, the powerhouse in college softball, lost to unseeded James Madison University. Just ridiculous. Making their first ever College World Series appearance. That's one way to do it. Uh, you, you know, to, to a mid-major making their first appearance ever, taking on Goliath, and they knocked them off with the upset win in eight 
innings, okay? They get it done in eight innings. Since seeding began in 2005, Oklahoma just the second national number one seed to lose in the Women's College World Series to an unseeded team. Florida also did so in 2008. Uh, it was an eighth-inning home run from Kate Gordon of JMU to give them the 4-3 win behind a masterful, masterful pitching performance from um, Odyssey Alexander. She did give up a three-run homer, so James Madison got off to a hot start. They hit a three-run shot in the top of the third. In the bottom half, Odyssey gave up a three-run homer herself to tie the game, but that was absolutely it. Um, this being against a team that went into the game leading Division One in scoring, batting average, home runs, and slugging percentage. But Alexander uh, maybe not getting the same type of recognition throughout the season as a mid-major as, say, a Montana Fouts. But she entered the game with a stellar 1.08 ERA and ranking fifth in the nation in Ks per seven innings. Um, her recruiting story is quite miraculous too. Uh, the coach went to her game to see someone else. And guess what? Now she's pitching in the women's college world series. I also read she grew up with her grandparents. I don't know what her home, like her parents situation was, but grew up with her grandparents actually taught herself how to pitch by watching YouTube and throwing up against like a makeshift fence in the yard. So just incredible, incredible story. Um, with James Madison getting the win over Oklahoma. Um, in other games yesterday, you had Alabama beating Arizona 5-1. to one. Montana Fouts struck out 16 and allowed just two hits. She has now won 13 straight starts and has eight straight games with 10-plus strikeouts. Let's face it, they're probably going to win this whole thing, but we'll see. Um, it was her program record 21st game this season with 10-plus strikeouts, and it was Bama's 19th straight win they lost uh they last lost a game on April 17th that is just ridiculous um wow another game that took place yesterday Oklahoma State coming out on top over Georgia in a tight 3 to 2 matchup uh, Cheyenne Factors, two-run homer in the fourth, helped the number five-seeded OK State defeat Georgia. Carrie Eberly gave up just one earned run in a complete game victory for the Cowgirls, allowing seven hits, striking out two, and walking just one. It, it, it's quite shocking. Those numbers are very pedestrian. Only two strikeouts, seven hits. Doesn't sound like somebody that would win a game, but she held him to two runs. Um, it is worth noting, too, that uh, Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields' sister, Jaden Fields, is actually on the Georgia team, so pretty good player there. Then in the uh, final game of the day, UCLA defeated Florida State 4 to nothing. Rachel Garcia threw a five-hitter and struck out 11 Garcia, a U.S. Olympian and two-time USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year, through 80 of her 112 pitches for strikes, just total recipe of, for success when you can do that. Uh, Maya Brady, obviously Tom Brady's niece, she hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the sixth inning to provide some uh, insurance for the number two-seeded Bruins. Uh, they're 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 a pretty solid team. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that UCLA and um, either Oklahoma or Alabama end up facing off in the finals. But I'm not going to count James Madison out of this thing yet because they're the Cinderella story, and um, you know they're in the winners bracket as of right now. Okay, here's how the schedule will play out. There's two games tonight. 
number five, Oklahoma State will play James Madison at 7 o'clock. So that's one hour from now. Uh, from the time you listen to this, it will have already happened. Then tomorrow on Saturday, number one, Oklahoma will face Georgia and number 11, Arizona, that game will be at noon. And then at 2.30, you have number 11, Arizona versus number 10, Florida State. At 7, the loser of the Bama-UCLA game will play the winner of the Oklahoma-Georgia game. That would be an elimination game, I believe. Then at 9.30, the loser of the James Madison-Oklahoma State game will play the winner of the Arizona-FSU game in another elimination. And then the... uh World Series continues on Sunday starting at 1 p.m. And the championship series, which is a best of three always, will get started on Monday night. Okay, the Jazz eliminated the Grizzlies on Wednesday in Game 5, beat them 126 to 110. I'm pretty sure I talked about this earlier. If not, uh, I'll just recap it really quickly. They lost Game 1, no Donovan Mitchell, right? Grizzlies, real young team, got it done. John Moran had a brilliant uh, series. But after Donovan Mitchell came back, boom, bing, bang, boom, series over. Jazz win four straight. Of course, they were expected to win the number one overall seed in the West. Uh, Donovan Mitchell leading the way last night with 30, uh, Wednesday with 30 points. Um, and the Jazz never trailed in this game. They led by as many as 35. Um, they will play host to the winner of the Clippers and Mavs series. That could end tonight. And I was thinking about it a little more earlier. Um, I know I said I picked the Clippers, but it almost it's almost screaming that another road team can't possibly win in this series, right? Are they going to have five straight games where the road team wins? You know what I'm saying? Or, or six straight games where the road team wins? It's very hard to imagine that happening. But, hey, um, it, it, I don't know. I, I can't see it happening. And, and the books have the Clippers as the favorites, um, although they had the Lakers as the favorites last night too, which I thought was very sketchy. Um so we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, the Hawks eliminated the Knicks at MSG. The icing on the cake being a uh, just props up to, to Trey Young. He took on a big role in this entire series. The Knicks could not stop him. He was vilified by Knicks fans, by the mayor, by everybody, the people of New York City. So the clock's winding down. They were up uh, double digits, and he chucks up a logo three, like just from from so deep, like Steph range, right? And he drains it, and he immediately turns around and takes a bow to the New York crowd, um, forever supplanting him as, like, the most hated player uh, in the league right now. But, um, and he commented, he's like, I know New York is is known for having a lot of shows, and what do they do at the end of the shows? Meaning, you know, Broadway plays and all that. He's like, they take a bow. So, uh, yeah, but good for him. A fan tried to spit on him. The most vile thing you could do. Show up. Show up the Knicks fans. Show them. Show up. Give them a little bit of that humble pie. So now the Knicks fans could sit back and watch my Brooklyn Nets win a championship from the couch. Uh, your, your most improved player of the year, Julius Randle. Absolutely awful in this series. Last night was uh, Wednesday was his best game and he scored just 23 points. Uh, RJ Barrett was a no show. Just the Knicks in general were terrible. Tom Thibodeau. Uh, he changed up his whole game plan the whole time throughout the regular season. It was Alfred Payton in the starting lineup. The fans booed him. They hated Alfred Payton, didn't want him in there. Playoffs come, he makes the change. Now you have an aging Derrick Rose having to push it and play more minutes, and Trey Young ran circles around him by the fourth quarter. He just can't keep up, so it screwed up their whole flow, their whole minutes uh, situation, and the Knicks just were abysmal in the fourth quarter. They just they don't have a 
good enough point guard moving forward. Derrick Rose was solid, but he's not the future. They need that point guard. They need it probably another star player like a Bradley Beal or somebody like that because Julius Randle, when you when it comes down to it, man, he is not as good as people think. He he might be able to be the second like so-called quote unquote superstar of a team, but yikes, that was bad. Um, yeah. So yeah, bye bye Knicks. Enjoy enjoy watching from the couch. Okay, the Nuggets last night closed out the Blazers in Game Six. Uh, Jokic scored a uh, uh, game high thirty six points, and uh, the Nuggets win this game by uh, eleven one twenty six to one fifteen. They clinched that series in six games. They uh, they trailed by four with about eight minutes left, and that's when Denver went on a 17-2 run over the next five minutes to take a 119-108 lead. Michael Porter Jr. scored 22 of his 26 points in the first quarter. Uh, Monty Morris added 22 off the bench, and Austin Rivers scored five of his seven points during the crucial stretch. Yeah, how about that? The Knicks cut. Austin Rivers earlier in the year. I, I'm pretty sure they could have used him uh, in the uh, Hawks series. And, of course, he goes two months without a job. Jamal Murray gets hurt, and now, boom, he's in the playoffs and making a name for himself and helping this team get through the first-round series. Uh, speaking of the Trailblazers, I don't know how this team can't win. Um, and it just further proves that LeBron, I'm LeBron, that Carmelo Anthony is absolutely cursed uh, or just a cancer to his team. Um I thought it was a great story when they signed him because obviously he had a lot left to, to prove and to play for, and he he's solid. He's still a guy that can get buckets, okay? And we saw it in game one. It was like a revenge game for Melo, and, and he came out hot because he was drafted by the Nuggets and all that stuff, right? And he played well, and he did okay in this series, and it's just like this guy can never win in the playoffs. It's crazy. And you've got Damian Lillard playing his behind off, um, and I just don't get it. You have a young nucleus of Dame and C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum seemed like out of it in this series. It just did not seem very well. And I'm a big Terry Stotts fan, um, but I, I just I think he might be gone. Uh, and you know I I think they might have to blow this this team up. And then you have the cryptic messages or Instagram messages or tweets or whatever that. Um, Dame is putting out there like stuff about possibly should I leave and go to the Lakers? Like there's all sorts of conspiracies going on out there and, and whatnot. But you know, that, that comes with the territory when you lose, it hurts. Give it a few days, you know, he'll come to his senses. And then of course the Suns eliminated LeBron in game six last night. I talked heavily about that game. So that basically wraps up this show. Um, you've got some golf on this weekend as well. Uh, I will be playing tomorrow. Uh, hopefully the weather is good. You got the memorial. Um, Patrick Cantley is up two shots right now. There, if you want to bet that, um, good, good, good guy to uh, to pick in my opinion would be Morikawa. Um, I think you'll get some good odds on him. Brandon Grace, Carlos Ortiz, Scotty Scheffler up there. Of course, baseball's on all weekend. You've got the Yankees and Red Sox in an important uh, uh, series this weekend uh, as well. That game getting started at seven oh five tonight. They're going with Michael King because, you know, obviously Kluber's on the shelf now. But, uh, yeah, that's a big series considering that the Yankees are right now, you know, trying to huh, fight for um, a playoff spot. Uh, and we're like two months, 50 games into the season or so. And the Yankees are currently third in the division. 
and they are four and a half back. Of course, Tampa Bay gets a cake series against a really bad Texas team this weekend. So if I'm the Yankees, you have to absolutely go go uh, into this series and take, you know, two out of three at least um, and, and position yourself better because right now, where are they in the playoffs? Yeah, the Yankees are sitting half a game back of those three playoff spots. So, yeah, they're, they're going to need to to step step their game up. Uh, what else? Um, I talked about I talked about um, Greg Olson. Uh, you've got the fight between what is it, Jake Paul and, and um, uh, what's his name, uh, Woodley or whatever. No, um, the fight is what tomorrow night, right? Um, Ty- yeah, Tyrone Woodley fight. Um, okay, yeah, that that fight is set to get underway tomorrow uh what else let's see yeah you've got nfl otas oh yeah there were some there was some um apparently ohio an ohio high school football coaching staff was fired after a player who uh, a player says he was punished and made to eat pork and you know in his religion they don't eat pork and the the coaches forced this kid to eat pork as a punishment I mean that's sadistic. That's that's insane. So let's see. Um, six other coaches, the head coach and six other coaches, have been ousted after a football player said he was forced to eat pork in violation of his religious beliefs for missing a voluntary workout. That is extreme. District has suspended the coaches last week after a 17-year-old player reported what happened to him on May 24th. Another coach was suspended, but he will remain as an assistant coach because the evidence did not show that he acted in the same manner as the other coaches. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, you, today's day and age, you can't do stuff like this. You out of your mind? Um, let's see. All right. Um, that's it. I'm, I'm going to wrap this thing up. On this date in sports is the last segment. Let me pull that up. Um, Lakers fans, I actually saw a kind of funny post today. The, somebody posted that because the Lakers lost in six games, two games to four, 24, that equals Kobe Bryant's number. They said they lost on purpose so they could lose, you know, two games to four and make it Kobe's number. Um, that's just ridiculous. But here we go. On this date in sports, June 4th, 2000. Here you go, Lakers fans. You could use you could use uh, so, some cheer today. Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal link up on an alley-oop jam to close out Portland in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. It was an absolute sick alley-oop from Kobe to Shaq. You can go look that up. I'm not going to play the clip because, quite frankly, if I pull... You know what? No. I'll pull it up for you guys because that's how I do. Um, That's how I do for you. Let me see if I could find it. Let's see. Yep, got it right here. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Brian, to Shaq! Back from the brink of elimination to the brink of the NBA Finals. Shaq waited as long as he possibly could on the day. Finally, the back top left. The athleticism, the exuberance. That's why he's the MVP. That was actually, uh, I think that was Bill Walton. So I guess Bill Walton in the early days used to do uh, the NBA action. Um, 
And yeah, that was to close out Portland and get to the NBA Finals. And we all know what happened in the NBA Finals. We're not going to get into that. But with that being said, guys, uh, the storm has passed here in Joyzy. So uh, it looks like all sunny skies from here on out. Saturday, 90, tomorrow, 91, Sunday, 93. So uh, it's a packed slate. I think I'm going to play golf tomorrow and then might be playing some early morning basketball on Sunday with my buddies. It's been like a year and a half since I've played any type of basketball, but I'm going to try to be a ringer. Maybe go get some get some shots in super early before anybody gets there so I have that three-point shot on lock. So, uh, yeah, I'll be a, a silent but deadly sniper from the corners, if you will. But with that being said, guys, enjoy the weekend. It's not an extended one like last weekend, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. I'm going to catch up on some Z's. A uh, new Netflix show that came out today. I've seen an episode so far. Not too bad. It is um, It is called, um, I just lost the name of it. Uh, oh, uh, Sweet Tooth is the name of it. And it's an interesting one. It's about like babe, like. The world is coming to an end, essentially, and there was a virus, and all these babies started being born as hybrid animal, like animal-human hybrids. And there's this one guy that keeps this kid in the woods in the cabin, and now people are after him because he's like a deer-human hybrid and all this crazy stuff, and he's trying to get to Colorado to find his mom that he's never met, and he's nine years old, and yada, yada, yada. So it's actually a pretty good like show. Um, so I'll be watching that a little bit this weekend as well as getting outside, hitting the links, and maybe shooting some hoops. And, of course, watching my Nets absolutely destroy the Milwaukee Bucks. So I am taking, just to recap, I'm taking the Nets to win that series. I am taking the Suns to beat the Nuggets. Um we're still waiting to see. I, I, I'll i take the Clippers, I said, in tonight's game. I think I still think if the Clippers can win tonight, they can absolutely win game seven at home. Um, and I think the Sixers and Atlanta series. I do think that this ultimately the Sixers can get through the Atlanta Hawks, but it remains to be seen what is going to happen with Joel Embiid. Um, and if the, the Hawks come out and they're able to steal game one, this could, things could get interesting if Embiid is restricted or possibly gets hurt or whatnot. But um, what I have to laugh about is when they finished off, when the um, when the when the Wizards were finished off by the Sixers. So when the Sixers beat the Wizards, they started chanting at the end of the game, "We want Brooklyn. We want Bro-. Like, are you kidding me? You do not want the wrath of my Brooklyn Nets." at all you are desperately praying to the nba gods that the bucks somehow upset the nets because you will get hosed by brooklyn especially with this injury for mb they don't stand a chance okay seth curry could go for 30 all he wants it's not gonna happen there's no way the nets big three they're they'll average 30 themselves all of them You'll get Durant with 40. You'll get Kyrie with 40. You'll get Harden with 40. They'll just rotate each night. And then some nights you'll have 25, 30, and 40 for each of them. And then you'll have Harden getting his triple dot. Like, there's no shot in hell that anybody is stopping this team. The Bucs, honestly, might have the best chance of any team in the NBA to stop the Nets. And when the Nets steamroll through them in like four or five games, maybe six games, the whole rest of the NBA is going to be like, yeah, no shot. We have no chance. And the West, all these teams are going to do is just beat up on each other. The Suns and Nuggets, they're a very, that's a very good series uh, matchup. Those teams are going to beat up on each other. These series are not going to go four or five games. 
Uh, and that's what they need if they want to beat the Nets or have any chance. They need to hope that they could get through their series nice and quick and that the Nets, the Bucks, give them a tough time and maybe a Harden or a Durant or a Kyrie or one of the big three gets hurt and goes out and then they are able to steal, you know, a championship. But that's not going to happen. Uh, my Nets, to win it all, I bet them before the season, before the James Harden trade, I hit on my Tampa Bay Bucks pick well before the season, and I'm going to hit on my Nets pick well before the season also. So, you know, I'm a guru. What can I say? But, guys, uh, I think I've held you up here long enough. Uh, like I said, uh, this is going to end the show. Um, I'm the Pody. As always, I appreciate it. If you like the podcast, share it with your homies. It is free to listen to. Um, subscribe, like this, uh, share it, um, give me a shout out, you know, tweet me, DM me, message me, you name it. Uh, I really look forward to hearing from the people each and every day. And I just, you know, the point of this podcast is to share the biggest headlines in sports each weekend. Like you could, as you could see, there was a lot going on in, in, that I that I was able to cover in an hour and twenty five minutes or so of this show. I mean, I talked about softball, I talked about baseball, collegiate, I talked minor leagues. There was an injury. I talked MLB. I talked, uh, you know, NBA. I, I talked. I covered literally everything you could think of. Horse racing. I mean, I might have, you know broken down every single sport, uh, NHL I briefed on, um, just crazy, you know, uh, everything. And that's another thing. NHL's on all weekend, you know, Isles, Bruins, that's a great series, possibly could go seven. I was going to bet the Bruins last night, um, but that the, that the money line was not good. It was like minus 159. So I thought about like laying some money on the, uh, uh, excuse me, the puck line your, or the goal line, you know, plus one and a half or minus one and a half there to win by two goals. Luckily, I didn't do that because they won by one. But yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I need some uh, much much needed rest and relaxation, but can't wait to get out on the golf course tomorrow, maybe play some basketball this weekend. All right, guys, that'll wrap this show up. Episode 140 of This Week in Sports. I'm the Pody signing out. So long. Take care. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. I'll see you guys next week.